Would you ask Pop that question? Let's do it. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. In honor of Black History Month. Black History Month. An incident happened in high school and all that was taken away. No other teams, no other schools were recruiting me anymore. My mom went to Georgetown and begged him to give me a chance. And he did. Think that you're the best football player in the world, which I did, and to be and to be sitting up here as a Hall of Famer in basketball. You tell me God ain't good. After I left Georgetown, I was a high basketball player. I had a <laughs> I had I had talent, but once I started to listen, listen to Larry Brown, I learned that uh, how much of a great, great coach that he is. Larry That's Brown. when I became an MVP. That's when I became an all-star. That's when I made first team All-NBA. Once I got the message from him and I followed his lead all the way. Man, Dr. J. I got to Philadelphia, and man, those were some big shoes to fill a size 10 foot. You know, he was always supportive of me throughout my career, always gave me words, wisdom. He's a great, great man, and some old school dude, too. I remember coming home from school one day, and my beautiful mom said you're going to basketball practice. Like, that's why I ain't going to basketball practice. Basketball is soft. You know what I mean? I play football. I'm a football player. I said, where you going? And I remember my, I cried and I screamed and kicked and clawed and had to be dragged to practice. I got to practice and I saw all the guys that played on my football team there. So from that point, I played basketball. So I have my mom to thank for that. Um. See, the important question is, what are y'all, what are y'all going to soak Washington for, for Jimmy G? What do you want? God damn it. What you want? Uh, number one. Let's go. <laughs> you ain't getting no damn number one for Jimmy G. You Start are now. <laughs> you are now. You are now. Because you know is, what? You ain't been alone. But it's the Tampa Bay Bucks won't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I ain't giving up no number one for no damn Jimmy G. <laughs> Tampa Bay. Hey, you, you want to compete with Tampa Bay? Then you better get in here. You want to compete with Pittsburgh? You better right. get in here. <laughs> two they NFC got Dwayne title Haskins in, in Pittsburgh. Years. They're fine. <laughs> <laughs> two, two NFC title games in three years. Come on. I know. Yeah, one because of his ass. And you, didn't you listen to Mina? <laughs> Let's bring DA into the conversation here. Welcome to Who Comma is Jason on the Athletic Podcast Network. I turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs, like the bullets in his bracketosh. I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better than Shaq. With David, David Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing. Yes. <laughs> And then they have their lungs out in front of everybody on TV. Michael was not your friend. It was popping in there. And Marcus Thompson. I just can't get with this idea of taking one hour of content yeah. and finding the morsel that might pop and blowing at him. Who's 
Thompson, what is up, Marcus? What's up, sir? How are you on this wonderful debut of the 2022 Black History Month? Oh man, it's, it's the hijacked by Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're, so somebody said this on Twitter today. So it's not my joke. So it's like, so can we have Black History Month, or will that make white children feel bad about themselves? <laughs> right. Is this next after after they cancel CRT? They come up with BHM. Oh, that was kind of funny. Anyway, man, uh, joining us now, uh, uh, glad to have him on this week, our man who covers the Los Angeles Lakers so well for TWC Sports Nets, former Laker, former number one overall. He wasn't just a first-rounder, Marcus. Number one overall pick, Michael Thompson. What is up, sir? Well, you know, like you guys uh, mentioned Tom Brady just now, you know, when, when an all-time great like this retires, it does make you think now where does he belong in the pantheon of the greatest american athletes not world not uh, international but just american athletes where would you put him and i came up with my mount rushmore of the greatest american athletes or sportsmen uh as, and as far as impact greatness and success in this sport and on their sport see if you guys agree with my foursome or if you guys would replace anyone here is my foursome brady right. ali brady ali jordan and tiger can you beat that? Uh, I'm taking Brady out and putting Jackie Robinson. Yeah, I was going to say Jackie Robinson. I think has to be in there. It's just in terms of it's overall Black History Month. Month. Michael, come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, but Jackie, but Jackie, Jackie's not the greatest. Jackie's not in the conversation for greatest baseball player ever. Uh, no, 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 no. But but you, right, but but he had to do what no other athlete in the history of sports had to do. Just, just no, there isn't anybody else who had to do what Jackie Robinson had to do. There's not. There's, well, then, well, then, if that's the case, then if that's the case, you take Ali off or you take one of these other guys off and put on Jack Johnson, who during the turn of the century was the first black heavyweight champion in a, in a society that uh, didn't even consider him a human. Right. So that's what I'm saying. So if you're just talking about strictly on the court, on the field, nothing yeah. else, not, not historical. Right. I mean, I would. You said you said Ali, Jordan, Ty, Tiger Tom Brady, and Brady. And Tiger and Brady. Um, Tiger, yeah. My only other one, the only other person I would I would consider putting on there is Henry Aaron. But again, that comes that goes into of the course. off the field stuff as well. You know the impact he had yeah. off. Um, you know, that's a good I list. see people. That's a good list. I Michael. see people put like I see people put like Babe Ruth on like Mount Rushmore sports. That always bothers me because. Babe Ruth, uh, no fault of his, but Babe Ruth played in an era where no Latinos, Asians, and Blacks right. were allowed to play. Exactly. So, to me, base, baseball before Jackie Robinson wasn't even a legitimate sport. People yeah, said, well, well, Michael, right. that's kind he of played harsh, against forty percent of the available players <laughs> that could right. play baseball people at the say, time. Well, people say, <laughs> yeah, people say that's ridiculous for me to have that attitude that baseball wasn't a legitimate sport uh, before Jackie Robinson and other minorities joined. I say, well, let's put it this way: if if sports only had only whites today, would it be legitimate? Right, right, right. Of course. You know what I mean? So right, right, right. That's, right. that's why the stuff. Yeah, that's why. I mean, you can say it's, it's years ago, right. People get tripped up on legitimate. Is it a was it a legitimate sport? Sure, it was legitimate, but it wasn't. It wasn't. What's the word I'm peak. looking for? It wasn't peak. It, it wasn't the peak of the sport. Right. It well, it been. wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, you can't say they were the best ever because they didn't play against all of the best, all the people. You know what I mean? So how can you say that? Exactly. Exactly. 
You know what I mean? Here, here's so, my but, question. Uh, yeah. If if we conclude Tom Brady, and you know out here in the Bay, not many people are making this conclusion, but if we conclude Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback in NFL history, is that synonymous with greatest football player in NFL history? That's a great question because obviously you got Jim Brown, you got Jerry Rice, right? You have uh, Reggie, Reggie, uh, Reggie White, other uh, Lawrence Taylor, guys right. in different positions. But I guess Brady gets the edge because quarterback in team sports is the most important position in all yes, of team sports. Absolutely. Yes, um, correct. Because everything starts through him. And seven, this guy's got more championships than and, than other teams have championships. Yeah. Yeah. And as I always use the corollary with Jack Nicholas. To me, what makes Jack Nicholas, you know, unbelievable is not the 18 majors that he won, but the number of second, second place, place yeah. he had majors. You know what I'm saying? So Tom yeah, Brady, what what wasn't he in three he was in three other Super Bowls that he lost, right? So like, right, yeah. so yeah. so he was in ten yeah, Super yeah, Bowls. Yeah, Jack, you know, like, yeah, Jack finished Jack finished second in the majors, I believe, nineteen times. Something but like then that. again, 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 that was golf was a very segregated sport back sure, in the day. Sure, sure, sure. No question. But my point is just he was always there. It wasn't even when he even when he didn't win, he almost won. You know what I'm saying? So Well I think, so, well, I think because that, guys like Charlie Sifford and other guys couldn't oh, sure, play. Of course. Of play. course. Uh, look, we all understand the history of it going back to the late Lee Elder and Charlie Sifford and people you mentioned before, and Calvin Pete, who was there when I was growing up watching him play. Um, so I'm not, we, that, that is definitely part of the discussion, but it's just, to, just to bring home the point that Tom Brady was in, I think three other Super Bowls that he lost, which and, means yeah, he was he in 10 Super yeah. Bowls. He was in 10 yeah. Super Bowls. There's only been 55 right. of them. You know what I mean? So yeah. he's been in 20% of all the Super Bowls ever played. So that tells you all you need to know to me about Tom Brady and greatness. So, well, well, here's the question for you, Michael. Who's on the Mount Rushmore of Bahamian athletes? Ooh, that's a great question. Ooh. Let's see. Okay. Uh, I'll be uh, not so humble. I'll put myself. Okay. <laughs> um, I would, I would Over put, Clay? Um, Come on. <laughs> so, well, Clay, Clay, is only, Clay is only half. You know, he's only half. He, <laughs> he's, he's, got, he's, got, he's got an American passport, not a Bahamian passport. <laughs> so I got to put... I got to put my boy uh, Rick Fox, of course. Uh, not okay, only is he a okay. great athlete, but he's the he's the he's the best looking athlete ever from the Bahamas. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then let's see who else. I guess I'll have to put. Uh, uh, oh, I'll have to put. Um, what's the name? Uh, Shawnee Miller, who is the gold medal winner for the Bahamas and the in the uh, last Olympic Games and the World okay. Cup. She is that good. Shawnee Miller, four hundred meter runner. And right. uh, then the other one would probably be. Um, well, I want to. I, I would if you would have wanted last year to put DeAndre Ayton there, but he's so young; he's just getting started. He's right. gonna have a chance to win some rings in the future. So the last one will probably be um, Elisha Obed, who was uh, actually won a world title way back in the '60s and '70s, uh, world uh, boxing titles. So I'll have to put oh, him wow. there too. Word. What, Donald, what, Donald what, Thomas what? doesn't make your list. The, the, Donald those, Thomas, yeah. yeah, the high jumper. Yeah, he yeah, does, yeah. He's an Olympian, but he, but uh, did he win a gold medal in the high jump? I don't think he did. What what weight class was was dude in who won the boxing championship? Well, welterweight. He was good. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I need to look yeah, him up. He wasn't as good as yeah. He wasn't as good as Tommy Hearns or, or or Ray Leonard, but he was a good fighter. He was in that era because that's when you know the welterweights yeah. were no. running the, running the show back in the day. So no, no, he he, he was about ten, twelve years before those guys showed up. Okay, thank, okay. thank goodness. Bet, bet. All right. Well, look, we got to we oh, got to have. Way, by the yes. way, 
Yes. By the way, did I was watching uh, just in today with um, Max Kellerman. You yes. know, we all love Kendrick. We all love Kendrick Perkins, don't we? So of course. Did you see what he said today on just in on Max Kellerman's show? I, I I must admit I did not. No. What did he say? What did he say? <laughs> now? Right. They were talking about Max. Max put out his five greatest athletes ever. He put on. He put up Babe Ruth, Jordan. Um, he put up Babe Ruth, Jordan, Ali, Serena. And uh, I forget who the fifth one was, but it was some deserving athlete. Anyway, so he asked Perk, he said, so Perk, you agree with my five greatest athletes of all time? Perk, you know, Perk came on with that Southern drawl of his. You know, Max, I, I, I agree with your list, but I would get this. Are you guys sitting down? I'm sitting down. For the moment. He said, Kendrick Perkins, who I love, and I listen to him all the time. He actually said, Max, I agree with your five, but I'd have to take Ali off and put Floyd Mayweather there. No, we just. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Can you believe that? No, oh, well, my God. the one after he, the one after he took off was Muhammad Ali. Right? No, I can't. I I I say this all the time, Michael. When someone says something like that, it's like when your teenager pours club soda in the fish tank. What could they possibly yeah. tell you that would make any sense? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about, about why yeah, they did exactly. it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I don't know, man. I, so, thought, I, I couldn't believe I couldn't believe he did. I thought he was going to take off one of the other four athletes. But he took off the greatest one of all, Ali. Muhammad Ali. <laughs> <laughs> that's unbelievable. Yeah, that's blasphemy. This is, by the yeah. way, Serena is on a Rushmore, though. I got to put Serena. Serena, that's yeah, a good Max, call. Good call but, by Max. Yes. But the Max yeah, yeah. To Max's credit, though, he he called him out on that. He says, well, he says Perk, you can't do that. <laughs> no, you can't do that. Not Floyd. Ma no, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> right. Discovered the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. All right. So look, we got to we we have you on your expertise. We got to ask you about the current team that you that you cover, you, you call their games. <clears throat> Whoo! <laughs> what is going on with the forum blue well, and gold, my on? friend? <laughs> what's going on is a lot of disruptions uh between covid protocols that every team's going through. Yeah. And uh, because of guys missing games, and I'm talking about two guys in particular, of course, Anthony Davis and LeBron. So until those guys can come back, Marcus and David, and play a consecutive 10, 12 games in a row, I'm not going to judge this team or worry about this team until I see this guy, those, the big three, play with some consistency over a few weeks. And then we'll, we'll get a real barometer on if this team is a serious contender or not. Right now, I think over 90-something games since, since – um, since Anthony Davis and LeBron have been in play like 20 games together. It's, cr it's crazy. So they haven't had time to sort of like what the Brooklyn Nets are going through for the big three to get together and play 20, 30 games together. And then we can get a real measure of where this team is. And I think 
once those three guys get together and can play, put together a month of basketball together, they're going to be fine. I, I'm looking at this. I, I agree with you, but I also think this might be, in the long run, a good thing for the Lakers. Everybody expects this team to fall on its face. And I'm like, do you really, if they get healthy in March, do you really want to play LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook in a series? I almost feel like this is working to their advantage because they're going to be an underdog somehow with the greatest player of a generation <laughs> yep. with Anthony Davis, and they're going to be an underdog. It's wild to me, but this might actually work to their advantage. Yeah, and they're going to be rested because Anthony Davis and LeBron have missed a lot of games. Uh, Russell Westbrook's been there every game, but AD and LeBron have missed a lot of games. So they, their legs are going to be fresh come April and May. Well, I would agree with that to a certain degree. It's certainly going to depend on who they play in the first round. You know, I don't think they really want to see Phoenix in the first round. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, but but well, why not? They were up to they were up to one on Phoenix last year, and AD went down with an injury. We were done after that. Right, but then well, Phoenix, Phoenix went on. Went to the, yeah. yeah, Phoenix is much better now. And they went to the finals. They went up going to the finals. I think they're a different team. But I get your point. I get your point. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to. They would definitely get swept or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I do agree with it. But I don't think you want to see either Phoenix or Golden State in that second round. Anybody else? And I mean, anybody else in the West? Utah, certainly Denver. I wouldn't. If I'm the Lakers, I wouldn't be afraid of playing anybody else. Early in the first round or the or the second round, you could they you certainly yeah, yeah I, I, I certainly think you could beat any of those teams. Yeah, I respect all, all the teams that are ahead of the Lakers. Obviously, they're there for a reason. They're they're excellent teams. The teams that scares me the most, of course, are the Warriors because when Clay gets his his uh, his uh, game really uh, settled down and going, and if uh, James Weissman can get healthy and, and give them that size that they're missing in the middle, of course, Draymond's going to be back. So yeah, the Warriors are the biggest threat to everybody right now. Right, right. So, look, I, I, I've said many times on this show and other places, I'm, I'm a big Russell Westbrook guy. I stand for him. I think, he's, I think he is a, a great player. Um, and we all know his strengths and his weaknesses. But what, how do you think he is being utilized right now? Is there, a, is there a better way to get what he does do well out of that group? Or do you just have to live with what you get from Russell at this stage of his career? got to live with Russ the way he is right now. This is the way he's been his whole career. He's not going to turn to John Stockton or Steve Nash all of a sudden. So he just has to slow down a little bit. And he, he's willing to defer to Davis and to LeBron when they're out there. And when they're not out there, he took over the team the other night in Charlotte. We lost the game, but uh, he had 35 points. He looked like the Russell Westbrook who was leading the, the Thunder for the last several years. But um, he understands uh, when Davis and LeBron are on the, on the floor, they are going to get the majority of the touches and are going to lead the way the most. And he, he's acceptable to that. So Russ is fine. He comes and he brings the effort every night. And uh, I love the passion that he plays with. So I don't expect him to change and all of a sudden become Mark Price. <laughs> but with that said, is, is, is there tweaks he can make? Is, it feels like he makes an adjustment here and there, and then he goes off. Like he, he attacks the basket. He stops taking so many threes. Um, and then, you know, he has a good game, but then kind of reverts. Is there some way they can tweak to get the best out of him, like what he can bring you right now, or is it just hey, let, let's hope you get the let's hope you get the good rust today? 
Yeah, I've seen him, uh, you know, sort of step back and slow down a little bit and let the game come to him. Or when Anthony Davis has got it going, they just run, go through AD like the other night uh, in Philadelphia when AD was just destroying Joel Embiid. He took a step back and let AD do his thing. So Russell's willing to, to sacrifice and to let the other guys lead. So I, I'm not concerned about that. Yeah, sometimes he can get going 100 miles an hour and get a little reckless. But, uh, you know, as long as they've got uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron, they can make up for those mistakes. I wanted to ask you about that whole notion of, of players adjusting. <clears throat> and, it, you know, it's very difficult because everybody who got to the NBA got to the NBA because they were a great basketball player, right? So um, I, I remember seeing last week the tape, and Shaq showed it, I think, on Inside, when he was sitting courtside and he was telling Russ to slow down. Slow down. You don't have to go 100 miles an hour. And I wonder, do great players really heed the advice from other great players like that? Or, or is it in oh, one yeah, ear yeah. and out the other? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Russell's a smart guy, and he he does. He just maybe will never admit it to you guys on a podcast or to the media because, you know, Russell's a, a, a very private man and likes to keep things to himself. But, yeah, right. he guys like Russell Westbrook, even, uh, even Kobe Bryant, as determined and as dogged as he was to be some man, uh, he deferred to Shaq often. Now, he, Kobe would take over in the last two minutes because of his ability to finish games and make free throws. But for the first uh, 40, 45 minutes of the game, he deferred to Shaq. And Kobe was as, as, as alpha doggish as anybody who's ever played this game. Speaking of alpha dogs, as tough as you are, right, as much of a machismo Bahamian man you are, how much did you cry when Clay came back? Because that, that was a pretty emotional moment. I know you were balling, weren't you, right? Snot and everything, huh? No, not uh, Baldwin, but they're definitely choked up to see the response from the fans and from guys around the league, you know, just made me really, uh, you know, really uh, emotional to see how much people respect him, likes him, and was happy to see him back. So, yeah, it's very, it was a very emotional time. He didn't cry, didn't ball, but uh, you definitely feel a little lump in your throat to see him back out there doing what he does, what he has a passion for, what his life's work is all about. And the only thing that uh, obviously that was a, that was a very special moment. And now... I'm just hoping that uh, he's paid his dues and the basketball gods will allow him to stay healthy for the next seven or eight years of his career. That's, see, that's old school right there. We don't cry. We just get the little lump, the little single tear. That's old school toughness right there. You know there. what I'm saying? <laughs> I'd have been ugly crying. <laughs> you know, just like, ooh. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever. And that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 That's linkedin.com slash show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash show 23 and get started. All right, so how much of that Michael was, I mean, I know people ask you this all the time, but can you at all separate 
being a prof- being a former professional basketball player from being a dad. You know, like, you know what it takes to be in the league. You know what it means to come back, how hard it is to come back from injury and be back to your normal self. How much of it was just kind of like professional respect for number 11 coming back and, and getting back on the floor after two years, two plus years, and how much of it was that's my son? Well, it's mostly it's your son. No matter, it's a hundred percent. You know, sure I knew what what it takes to play in this league uh, and everything, but I just want Clay to be healthy and happy as a as a human being. And he's happiest when he can play basketball and uh, you know and help out uh, underprivileged kids. He really has a passion for that too. So I just want him to realize his dreams, just to you know continue his career and uh, make an impact off the floor. And uh, as far as, you know, the basketball part of it, I leave him alone where that's concerned. Clay's a smart guy. He's got great people around him on his team and his coaching staff. He doesn't need any more advice from me about basketball. He's, uh, he, he, his, his career, my career compared to his is like striking a match and then you guys, uh, you know, setting up, set, sitting next to a bonfire. That's, the, that's how we compare careers because he's done so much more than I ever accomplished in this game. So what could I give him? And he's got, uh, and he understands the game, and he has a real good, solid, professional approach towards the game. So he doesn't need advice from me. So I'm just there for him as a dad, much more so as a as a peer who played the game. So when when Clay was away from the game, it was obviously emotionally trying. I'm wondering who did he drive crazy the most, you or or, or your wife, <laughs> or his mom? Who does he go to <laughs> in a time of mental crisis? Is he, is he blowing you up all the time? No, mostly his mother. He talks to her because, you know, they have a real close closeness. And, you know, I mean, that's fine. As long as he's talking to one of us, I don't, I, that's all that matters right. to me. As long as he, you know how it is. Uh, you know how it is. Just, you know, everybody says it. Call your mother. You know, every every dad says that. As long as your, your son or daughter is close to the mom, that's the only thing that matters. All right. Well, I, I'm going to let you <laughs> I'm, I, I'm sure that, that, you, that you have advice, though, that comes from – being a former player, being a being a dad, being a man, all of those things, that's different. Yeah, I'm not going you know, with a match, by the way. I'm going with something a little bit more than a match. I'm not going to let you, you know get away with a match. Because you on. got some hardware, yeah, too, Michael Thompson. An eye on a stove or something. You know, like, a, you know, give me something here. You shot 50% from the field no. for your career. I'm, I'm not letting you get away with a match here. That's true, but I, 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 when I won my championships, I just grabbed on to, to Kareem's coattails and hung on for dear life. That's how I got those, my championships. Clay was out there leading the way, game six, Clay and stuff. He was as a, he, him, Steph, and uh, KD and Draymond. Those four guys, they led the way. Me, I was just following Magic, Worthy, Kareem, and Michael Cooper and uh, Byron Scott, and even you could have done that, David and Marcus. <laughs> I couldn't have grabbed twenty and eleven and shot fifty percent of the field. I couldn't have done that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I always say yeah. I'm good for a couple of good screens and maybe one jumper. That's it. That's oh, what I'm you get. I'm a quarter three. I'm a quarter three with no defense. <laughs> that's all. Show, that's all the Showtime Lakers would have needed from you guys playing with those other guys, right? Man, so I gotta yeah. ask you. I gotta ask you, man. You, I, I'm sure you've seen that. This is is it Showtime? Speaking of Showtime, is it Showtime or HBO that's doing the Laker movie? I can't remember who it is. HBO. HBO. Okay. Are you are you looking forward to that, or are you cringing a little bit? <laughs> I think I'm kind of cringing. I yeah. think uh, I, I think it's more about it seems to be more about uh, the social life of the Showtime Lakers than, than the basketball. So yeah. I don't want them to. I'm, I'm a little concerned they're going to put the guys in the light as if they were just partiers and wild 
kind of guys off the court. So that's what I'm a little concerned about. Yeah. I, I just, I, because I, you know, I was at the tail end of that era, but certainly know most of the guys that were on that team. And I remember this, Michael, just going into a Lakers locker room before a game. And even when they were playing nobody teams, like bad teams, and just how quiet it was. Like, it wasn't like there was loud music going on. And y'all were, you know, like, y'all were getting ready to play a game. And, and to, to the point you made, like, there was a sobriety to, that, to those teams that was all about business, you know, from the second you stepped off the bus or got out your car until you left. And then maybe afterward, you did what you did. But I hope you, I, I share your view that if, if it's just about, if it's just about the, uh, the forum club, that's not going to really capture how serious your teams were about playing. Oh, you're so right about that. I talk to uh, young players about it all the time. I talk to players, heard all the stories about how serious and how professional our locker room was. It was all business, no goofing around, no loud music was allowed to be played. We, uh, it, when you showed up at the forum in that locker room, you were there to, to, to you were there to conduct business. You had to act like an adult. That's what Pat Riley expected from you. That's what Magic Johnson, as our team leader, and Kareem expected from us. And you got to f- figure it out, too, guys. Back when we played in the Showtime era. The league was much more condensed. You had a lot more, more talented, I'd say fundamentally sound players uh, and teams that were really tough guys. There wasn't no goofing around back in them days, man. If you're going to square off and fight, you're going you're gonna to have to fight, and all it was was a technical foul. So it wasn't no woofing and no fronting back in them days. So it was all business, man. And we knew whenever we took the court, whether it was against the worst team or the best team, uh, we were going to expect to get the best from our opponents because we were the Showtime Lakers and everybody wanted to play their best and test themselves against Kareem and Magic and Worthy, Byron and the guys. So uh, it was when you came to the forum to play, Pat Riley and Magic Johnson expect you to show up, do as Bill Belichick said, do your job, and then uh, and, and no fooling, no goofing around. Pat Riley and Magic didn't have time to suffer fools in that mm. era. I mean, obviously you played with you know one of the great teams of all time and with Magic, but who. You know, I, who are some of the great players you play with that you think don't get enough credit? I'm thinking of Maurice Lucas, but you know, you've played with some, you played with some really good players in your career. So from from that perspective, who are some of the guys you play with that still impress you and, and and maybe probably should get more credit for how good they were? Yeah, uh, obviously the first one that comes to mind is Clyde Drexler. Obviously, Clyde's a Hall of Famer and people remember him, but. Man, he was such a great athlete. He could do anything on the court. He wasn't quite in Michael Jordan's or obviously Kobe Bryant's uh, atmosphere or sphere, but Clyde was one of the greatest guards that ever played this game. He doesn't get talked about enough. Um, another one is Artis Gilmore, the great center. Doesn't get enough uh, mention for like being a top 10 center of all time. Obviously, he's not in Shaq and Akeem and Kareem's uh, class, And uh, but uh, Artis was a great, great player that's hardly ever mentioned. Another guy that's in the Hall of Fame. And uh, who else did I play? Alvin Robertson. You guys remember Alvin Robertson? Sure, sure, of course. Sure, with the Spurs, yes. That guy, six foot four Spurs, he was one of the greatest defenders ever. And he, he needs to, now he had a, maybe a shorter career, but when he was in his prime, he could defend just about any backcourt player, man. And he doesn't get matched enough for one of the greatest defensive players ever. Out of Arkansas, I remember him, right? Yeah, that was, he was yeah. well, no, yeah, Alvin Robertson could, yeah, no, he was legit. And, as as good as any I, defensive You know what I like so much about Alvin Robinson? Is he could impersonate Bob Marley exactly. 
I, it was, he had a, it was un, it was uncanny. Really? When he would start talking his Rastafarian Jamaican <laughs> talk, he sounded exactly like Bob Marley. It was, cra- it was crazy. Wait a minute. Under what circumstances did you hear Alvin Robinson doing Bob Marley? Like, oh, he was into reggae, just like I, me being from the Bahamas. I'm into reggae, and Alvin was into reggae even more than me. He loved reggae music. That's all he listened to. So he he knew exactly how to talk, just like he was a Rastafarian. It was amazing. <laughs> That's hilarious, yo! I would, never I, would I would not have gotten yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the only thing the only thing that he was missing was the dreadlock. Right. Right. You know, it's funny, those Spurs teams with him and Mike Mitchell and guys like that, they, because they never broke through because y'all beat them every year in the playoffs. They were really, really underrated teams. I agree with you on that. Just yeah. Some, yeah. Some, yeah. Some really good teams back in the 80s. So you've, you, I, along those lines, like we're doing this top 75 thing. And I talked to you about, about uh, Moses for, for our series. And man, I just, I, I, I hope we are capturing the greatness of players in that era because it's hard for me to fathom. It must be even harder for you because you were there, you were playing that it's been 35, 40 years. And there's most people didn't see you all play in person. They didn't see you play live. Let's put it that way, whether on TV or in person, they didn't see you play live. And so does it feel like, the whole generation kind of gets shortchanged because people did not, a lot of people under 40 didn't see you guys play. Oh yeah, for sure. That era is forgotten um, because of social media and the different platforms and the streaming and everything that, that the NBA coverage and sports coverage gets, now, which is a good thing. I'm not complaining at all. It's much better when you have so much access 24 hours a day, 365 days a week. You got podcasts like this great one you can talk about. We didn't have it back in our day. So back in our day, we, they saw us doing game days, game times, and basically that was it. Then we were out of everybody's consciousness until the next game. But now right. you got players like Steph and Clay and Kevin Durant, all of LeBron, who are in people's consciousness uh, all, all day long because of all the streaming and social media platforms that you can just uh, log on to and read about and, or listen to or watch, you know, constantly. But uh, yeah, the guys back in the 70s and 80s have been forgotten. I think the Michael Jordan era is still remembered because of how great Jordan was. He keeps that era alive. But in the 70s and 80s, that uh, era of basketball is forgotten, and people have forgotten all the great players who played back then. It's criminal to me, um, especially when you go back further. Uh, I do think the dialogue of today is so bent on pumping up who you think is the best that you end up tearing down other people. But it's criminal how much we don't know about the past, especially the basketball experts. Uh, almost feel like there needs to be like a national tour or something, uh, you know, like something to let uh, let us know, and we need to hear from from you and from other people more about, like like Alvin Robertson, right? Like we need to hear those stories because we need to know them. Yeah, and the greatest crime about all this, guys, it just bugs me. It, it drives me crazy. I try to defend it. I try to bring it up whenever it can. But people talk about who's the greatest player of all time, and of course they mentioned Jordan. And now they're mentioning LeBron, and deservedly so. Don't get me wrong, but they never never mentioned Kareem and Wilt. It's like they've forgotten, right. especially Wilt Chamberlain. This guy, people need to look at the record books and see what he did, but yet they act as if, ah, those numbers don't count. That was that era doesn't count. They talk about the most disrespected, greatest athlete possibly ever is Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, it's funny you mention that because I am also writing about Wilt for our series, and 
And you're so right, Michael. I mean, his, and I've said this other places, his numbers look cartoonish. They don't even look real. Yeah. When you I look at his right. average. problem, right? Like, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> it makes it, his numbers make the competition look inferior. It's like, that dude averaged 55. Yeah, like, <laughs> and, and 20 yeah, rebounds. like somebody, somebody will run off like 40 point games, like six in a row, five in a row, right? And, and they'll, ESPN will put it up on the graphics. This guy scored 40 points in a row, like five, six, seven straight times. And then they'll say, well, who's got the record? And they'll put up Wilt like 65 in a row. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, he just it, it it it's so remarkable. And I don't care what era you played in, it was still an era. You know what I mean? Like it was yeah, he was still playing exactly. against also, the best basketball players on earth. But also know? it wasn't like he was playing like as this inferior style to play. He was the greatest athlete out, right? Like you telling me, okay, the league has gotten more athletic. You telling me Wilt would be able to hang? Right. <laughs> like Wilt would right. be able to yeah, hang exactly. with any athletic error. I don't care what it is. If if there was athleticism right. involved, yeah, Will Chamberlain is in it. Yeah. So, and then sometimes people will say, well, he didn't play against anybody. I said, you talking, you trying to tell me Walt Bellamy, uh, Bill Russell, Lou, Lou Alcindor, Willis Reed, right. uh, uh, Nate Thurman was nobody in the middle. Are you exactly. kidding me? Exactly. And yeah. you played against them more because there were fewer teams. Yes. So, so he a played against Bill Russell talent. like yeah. 12 times a year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, exactly. Yeah, that's, yep. that's wild to me. Wilt, Wilt is, that's, yeah, that's a great call. I, I, I would have thought Kareem, but now that you say it, Wilt is the most disrespected. Because he was, he was ridiculous. Yep. It was insane how... It's uh, just that it's num- there's nobody else that has numbers that are anywhere close to his. There's nobody no, even close. No. <laughs> like, yeah, and of course, every everybody passed him as all-time score, but both only played like, what, 12, 13 years right. and had 30,000 points. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I'll say... I, I, will, I will give a little bit away of the story. So my favorite stat of all time is Will in 1971... 70, 71... Anyway, he was 33 years old, and he averaged 24 and 18. <laughs> he was yeah, 33 yeah. years old. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. It's incredible. The man, the man averaged the man averaged 30 points and 22 rebounds for his career. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just it, and, and to Marcus's yeah. point, he's. I mean, un- until recently, I don't. I'm look. But until recently, like within the last 15, 20 years, he still held high school records for long for the high jump in in Kansas yep. high schools. Like, yeah, and somebody, like, somebody said they somebody said it before block shots were charted and official stats. Someone had him down for twenty four blocks one game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, come on, yeah. There's no question he had ridiculous blocks. Right? I mean, right. It, it, the incredible yeah. athlete he was, you know. In track and basketball, like you just can't tell. Tell me he didn't have, you know, whatever a jump shot. I, we could argue that he wasn't a great free throw. You can't talk to me about the athleticism of Wilt Chamberlain. Right. He would be a phenomenal center. This this is exactly what you want from modern centers: be able to run up and down. No, and that's what Wilt did. Yeah, but that's just it. That's just it. People think he didn't have a mid range. Now he obviously didn't shoot threes, but people think he didn't have a jump shot. I've seen some clips of Wilt. Making every post move in the books, jump hooks, right yeah. and left, uh, turn around, fadeaway jump shots from 15 feet going in off the glass or going straight in. So I said, well, I didn't know he had all this in his repertoire. So he definitely had all this, all the skills and all the moves offensively. Right, and 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 you mentioned Kareem, and I and I think Kareem, you know, 
doesn't get mentioned either in that discussion. And, and I, I, my, my rejoinder to that would be, okay, he scored more points than anybody else in the history of the game with essentially one shot. He had one shot. Yep. He had one thing that he did. <laughs> yeah. You know, he didn't cross people over. There were certainly no threes. He did. He wasn't a mid-range shooter. I mean, he had an up and unders. He had, you know, a, a few, a couple of counters. But for the most part, he had one shot. And he scored 38,000 points doing that. <laughs> and, and just his basketball resume from the NBA. But I tell people, do you people realize that he's the greatest high school and college player ever? Right. And I'll give you the greatest NBA player ever. So right. when you look at his full resume from from Power Memorial to UCLA to the to the NBA, nobody else's uh, resume compares to Kareem's. Right, winner everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. everywhere. Him and Bill Russell. That's it. What are you talking about? Like, yeah. That's that's it. Um, so yeah, yeah it, it, it's it is it is criminal and fascinating. Let me let me let me get you out of here on this. What as you see the West going into like the All Star break and the trade deadline. Has anybody like really surprised you so far? Yeah, of course. The Memphis. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't yeah. see this coming. Are you kidding me? Memphis and John Morant. I knew John was going to be an all-star. I, t- I met a member of his family uh, a couple of years ago when he came into the league. And then um, he was a rookie. And I met, uh, I think I met his cousin on the way out of the gym. And uh, I said to his cousin, well, i tell you one thing. He ain't going to make the all-star game this year, but he ain't going to miss, he ain't going to miss one after this year. <laughs> and uh, he is now an MVP, leading, probably the leading candidate for MVP, him and Joel Embiid as we speak today. And uh, so what Memphis is doing with them young boys down there, uh, this, they remind me of where the Warriors were six, seven years ago when they started to make their move with the young Clay and Steph and Draymond and Harrison Barnes. So they look like they're on that same type of path. And to see them, I figured they'd be a playoff team, but I thought they'd be like seventh, eighth, going somewhere on there. But to see them a top two, top three in the West, yeah, they're the biggest surprise this year. Them and Cleveland. What the heck is Bernie J.B. Bickerstaff doing in Cleveland? Yeah, that's a great cra- job. That's, a, that's crazy. Yeah, I thought Cleveland. I didn't. I you know he I said Memphis. You thought they'd be good, but not this good. I didn't think Cleveland would be good. <laughs> like I thought they'd be at the bottom <laughs> yeah. of the East, and it's crazy. They're like they right. could end up the number one seed. It's wild. Yeah, JB Bickerstaff should be coach of the year. No question about that. Yeah, no, Mobley's been fantastic, but JB's done a great job because they've had a ton of injuries. Lost Rubio for the year. They've lost. They lost uh, Garland for the year. I mean, and he's and they're still winning. I mean, like big time winning, killing people. So yeah, yep. yeah. Big props to that, man, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us, man. I, I really appreciate it. Always good to have you on and your insights and your knowledge and. Oh, and your t- this tweets for- are incredible. You're a great yes. tweeter. I don't even know how you pull it off. You're a great tweeter. <laughs> right, guys. I just, I just have, I just have fun with it and stay away from anything crazy and controversial. And just don't, you don't want to get people mad on Twitter. It's impossible to not get people mad on Twitter. How do you do it? That's true. No matter what, somebody will say something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> man, man, stay safe out there. Safe travels, man. Hopefully, we'll see you either in Cleveland at All Star somewhere down the road. I'll see you in the final. All right. Actually. Yeah. Hopefully, you'll. See- yeah, you'll see us in the finals. Either the Lakers or the Warriors are going to be there. Yeah, I'll see you in the all finals. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> appreciate it. And appreciate all of you listening to this fine American podcast. Listen to it on Spotify, Apple Play, Google, wherever you hear it. Leave that five-star review because five stars help us out. Marcus, if it's less than five stars, what do them, them folks need to do? They need to learn critical race theory. <laughs> <laughs> 
This Black History Month is going down. Pick up a book. Learn something. Later. Thanks for coming on, Michael. Appreciate it. Michael, appreciate okay, it, man. Talk to you later. Yes, sir. All right, talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you, man. <laughs> <laughs>